Jason Julie. Hi, this is Competitive Literature. I'm Grace Thomas. <laughs> I'm Julie Greiner. Uh, and this is the podcast where every week we compete to have the best opinions about a book. Yep. Grace is winning. I'm winning. <laughs> I'm winning two to one right now. I won the episode about sapiens and it's best for me if I don't go too deeply into why I won that episode because it doesn't hold as Julie, much water Julie as I want, but it's a episode. win. Julie won that episode because... Um, I think that we should just was, let them have to Our guest was go. my fiance's father, um, and he wanted it to be even and fair. So I had already had a point, so he, so he gave Julia You know, one. but I, I don't think he would have even been able to come to that realization if there wasn't enough of my knowledge backing. Sure. I don't think he would sure. have given it to me if I didn't deserve it. I do it. think it was pretty I think it was. I do think it was pretty I think split. it was all things being equal. That was the, like, the factor that went into it. So I'm doing fine. So today we're talking about a cool trans kind of historical thriller crime novel. I'm just throwing words out, but it's a great book called Confessions of the Fox by Jordi Rosenberg. Yes. I mean, it sort of defies genre, so that feels appropriate. Mm, really getting in there at the top. Getting in there. <laughs> getting to getting in with your hot, 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 hot takes. Um, and we have a wonderful guest um, to discuss to discuss to discuss it to discuss the book um, <laughs> with us. Uh, please welcome writer Heron Walker. Hi, I'm really happy to be here. Hi, Grace. Hi, Julia. Hello. Hi. Thanks for being here. Um, Very excited to have you. Heron has written some of my favorite pieces about being trans, dealing with bad men. Um, I think that I originally, um, encountered Heron because I sent her a message to thank her for a piece she wrote about a man named Jingle Crockenshirk, um, just, uh, just a disgusting little, little Atlantic man who just, just writes and farts. But Heron, why did you choose this book? Um, I, I read this book in... This is, you're asking a lot of me to distinguish January from February of this year when I have no idea what has happened. It could just year. be sort of like in the vast continuum of time. When when did this come to you? <laughs> Circa when we could still just like go to like a room with 50 people in it and like not. Wow. I was going to say not horrible, but now I feel that's like outing me as someone who does that, which I do not. Um, it was like pre-COVID pandemic I read it and had a very like emotionally gripping experience with it um, that was also like I'm actually I'm not going to say more though because I want to see okay. what you two have to say about it I just had a very intense reaction to it throughout in many different ways um, and I found it um, personally resonant in many ways and I also liked the um, uh, the meta narrative in it and I um I'm still thinking about it to this day, which is great because I've had a lot of trouble finishing books in the last six months. I feel that. I feel like I started this podcast so that I would finish books again. I think that was also another reason I was super excited when Grace brought this podcast idea up because I was also like, it would be so great to just have that extra bit of um, fire under my ass to finish books that are great. I just started this um, or with... So, I don't know, have you, either of you read the book A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara? Um, so, I read it five years ago, and it's like 800 pages long, and it's like very much about like um, 
it's about these four characters and it slowly dwindles into being kind of just about one of them and it's like this like 800 long um grueling journey through sort of the life of someone who is just being like abused and traumatized at every turn and i read it five years ago because like a bunch of gay guys i knew were like this is the greatest contemporary gay novel of our time and i read it and was like I'm not friends with any of you anymore. I'm transitioning. I don't want to associate with any like. No, I, I hated the book so much, and um, to this day, it's like my most ungenerous read of it. Is like I don't like to say this now because I do have friends who love the book, um, but I like will call it like trauma porn. But I brought that up with a friend of mine who loved that book and was like gave me this new perspective into it. And now we're like reading it this winter to see if my feelings have changed about it week to week. Um, so yeah, find ways to finish books, loop everyone in your life into like the great goal of helping you finish a single book. Yes. It takes a village to read one book. <laughs> I always say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm always saying it to people. So I think before we enter into the synopsis, it needs to be said that I'm trans and this is a book about trans people <laughs> and it really gives me a pretty hefty advantage. I was gonna say, like, I was gonna make a similar announcement (laughs) before we go into this. uh, Nothing I have to say about this really matters at all. (laughs) I just, so, I mean, I just do think that, like, going into this, it's really, like, I don't, I I was gonna say, like, a strong sportsman. And and you were, like, a weak, a weak player (laughs) of the same game. You know, um, what I'm hearing... Women hearing, dominating sports again. Yes. 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 <laughs> again, yes. Um, yeah, so what I'm hearing is this is an underdog narrative for me. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think I so. If you do offer an opinion on this book, I will be here to cancel you. Just so yeah. You know. <laughs> this is a bit of a tightrope podcast I've chosen to do. <laughs> so to start, to start out with, Julie, trans people, good or bad? Oof. Okay. I think I'm ready for this. Good. <laughs> mm, actually, it's a little more complicated than that. Yeah, what the fuck are you talking I mean, you're about? Right? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, why don't we I'm just gonna turn over the mic to you. <laughs> You ever heard of a little person named Charlotte Clymer? I actually have, with a lot of distaste in my heart. She is an example of a good person. Yes, exactly. She is a veteran. What what were you saying, Aaron? Wait, a deeply unrelated anecdote that you're, she's a veteran, um, exclamation reminded me of. One time I was at a bar that my my friend, Theta Hamill, um, who's brilliant, musician and podcaster from like nimble wars she was hosting this bar night at a bar called macri park in brooklyn a few years ago and she made a joke on the mic about like john mccain and this guy stood up and was like he's he's a veteran and then just like went out to the backyard to cool off and i later figured out that it was chadwick moore um who wow. just, like, if, if the listeners aren't aware is this like disgraced former advocate writer who I guess trying to get in on that Milo Yiannopoulos money came out as right wing or something <laughs> and failed to get a book deal he was after or something. I don't know. Anyway. Wow. I can't. That's just such a funny scene to me, though. Just someone standing up and being like, I'm a veteran and just like, I got to take a walk. <laughs> yeah. Like, John McCain was a veteran and just like. <laughs> 
I wish he had been like, John McCain was a veteran. And he's gay. <laughs> and just like made some Just like start kind of like, like throwing stuff at the wall. <laughs> There's a reason his nickname was the fag in Vietnam. <laughs> I'm just imagining John McCain flying a bomber over like southern Vietnam with the with just the fag painted on it. <laughs> Everyone's like, when you see that in the sky, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know you're minutes away from the end. And this is, you know, (laughs) this really, this this really connects (laughs) to like a really cogent, cogent observation of the novel, which is that gay people can do bad things. And that gay people exist. Yeah. 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 Gay people exist. (laughs) Crazily enough, Mm -hmm. hitting on two things. And that gay people. That gay people can pilot things, like boats. That's true. Or, or planes. Yeah. And that you can yeah. say that anyone in history was yes. gay. You can say that anyone in history was gay. And as this book posits, you can say that anyone in history was trans as well. All right. So are we? Let's. Should we dive into the summary? Yeah, I'll let you start, Julie. Um, I'll let you kind of like do a ba- like a like a base description of these characters, you know. Okay, and I would just like to let Heron <laughs> note that, in case has Grace read the book, we don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, one thing that we might not have mentioned is after after you decide who has the best opinions, we will reveal. Who like if we actually finish the book? Because oh, we had a week, yeah. a week to, to read this. That's kind of our like personal stakes that we put on it. But anyway, so I guess um, I actually I, I'd heard of different uh, stories that this Jack Shepard appeared in, but I I don't I wasn't familiar with him really at all before reading this. Um, yeah, and and the 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 whole setup of the book. Is that this doctor? Well, prof- I'm sorry. You're not supposed to call someone a doctor if they have a PhD. That's not medicine, apparently. So this doctor, um, professor, uh, who's like, who found this manuscript or this autobiography of this this English thief. Yes. Um, who's who? Like that's apparently like this thief is his like entire area of expertise and there's apparently like this whole realm of academia that like is is entirely into this jack shepherd uh, like shepherdian academics Mm -hmm. and like i think it's cool that when you're like a tenured professor or just like a professor you can just be like i'm gonna be interested in this one person from 500 years yeah this specialization for like 30 (laughs) is awesome (laughs) So, yeah, okay, so it starts off with this professor, um, dis- like, describing in a foreword how he obtained this manuscript, mm-hmm. um, and, and really setting it in a 21st century college, mm-hmm. um, campus with just a bunch of fraternity bros, like, working a charity book sale where this manuscript happens to be. Yeah, and it's a book sale, notably, I can't remember the exact specifics, but basically they're 
getting rid of the college the university is getting rid of books in the library to make way for like a lounge for the professors <laughs> or something to that yeah, effect and also like an like a like a like some sort of like lunch atrium yeah, to for like, like celebrate knowledge and like their amazing wealth of knowledge at this <laughs> university and it's just the, the first I, in many many ironic kind of situations <laughs> in this novel i really like the detail of um like there being like huge um you know like 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 plaster boards cardboard i don't know what a plaster board is <laughs> but there being like illustrations of these new editions yeah. like uh, like being displayed like alongside the book sale yeah. um because i feel like those were all around my college campus totally. of like oh we're building these new dorms for athletes and we're building mm -hmm. this new stadium and look at all these pretty pictures of it's always like the, the call the campus will be beautiful on the horizon this gorgeous campus as opposed to what like you're in right now <laughs> um, sounds like you both definitely read the first page or two. Yeah. Oh, we certainly read at least the first couple of pages. Um, um, I'll let you continue, Julie. Okay, well, so let's you know, get, let's kind of get beyond. What, what were you saying, Heron? I was just going to say, I just think it's funny. It's like, so what is the book about? So it takes place on a college campus. College campuses, we all remember those. <laughs> I remember a college campus. Here's one, for example. <laughs> You're taking me back to being in college classes where I didn't do the reading. And I like, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't but this isn't we're just on a podcast just talking about emotions yeah. and, and observations having them. <laughs> yeah wait hold on let's not jump down another <laughs> hole here um because it is it is about this um professor who's kind of uh annotating this manuscript that he found um in a like just a book sale it was just sitting there i didn't even have to buy it they they just gave it away yeah they gave it to him for free um because which, they which ended up not being a stroke of luck yeah the they end. i some someone mis uh, understood its value and now this professor has mm -hmm. it and is just excited about its contents which what the story it tells is of this thief jack shepherd um who has in all pretty much all existing media that we know of been portrayed as a uh, cis man. Um, but this manuscript seems to suggest otherwise. Um, so I guess we can just kind of get into the story of Jack Shepard himself now. Sure. Yeah. If you want. <laughs> I really don't know how much of this grace is read. So I'm like trying to figure it out. Um, I, but um, I listen, I've, I, I, I know what happens. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> I, I know since what we happens. all know what happens, um, <laughs> it does start with Jack's uh, hanging, I believe, or the kind of commotion leading up to what will be his hanging. Yeah. Um, maybe I think it's even like an announcement of, of this news in like a newspaper. And I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. sure if I remember this correctly, but I think it was like the Applebee's newspaper, which made me laugh right yeah, out the it gate. Was the, it made was, me feel right at home. It was... <laughs> It's right next to... That's where the restaurant chain began. Yeah. Like a series of newspapers where it was cheap to print execution announcements. I mean, that <laughs> makes sense based on the Applebee's experience. Whoa, Applebee's burned. Just kidding. I love Applebee's. Initially, when people said TGIF, they were excited because <laughs> executions were held on Fridays. That's, yes. 
where that comes from. Incredible. So as as he's headed to, (laughs) I might be pausing a lot between every word, but that's just because I kind of have the hiccups. It's not because I don't remember what happened. So as 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 Jack is headed to be hanged, yes, he is described as 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 incredible at. At, at getting Quinn. Oh yes, which, which is which is was which is pussy. That's, yeah, that's one of the things um, I was going to bring up about this book is the um, the way it expands your vocabulary in every wonderful way imaginable. There are so many synonyms for mm-hmm. pussy in this book. It is I, I, incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like this is like supposed to be his autobiography, right? Like this is a manuscript. Of his autobiography. Yeah, I mean, it starts out like that, and then it's sort of complicated, but it it, it becomes clear that it's been revised, yeah. and it's sort of a collect. I know it's complicated. I know it's. Complicated. I feel like this is our most contentious. But I'm just saying, if this if this is kind of like baseline, if this baseline, yeah, the understanding is that is yes. his, his autobiography. Then he's like, if he wrote that, then he's like, well, I want people to, like first thing. I'm inc- I'm like a master thief, and I get yeah. pussy, and that's that's pretty much what you need that's, to know about and I, me. I think continues now, to be now true. Let's let's go on my life <laughs> for the story. entire course of the manuscript. I think that is that's true. Those are like kind of the big two for Jack. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yes, so it's sort of like a oh, so you're wondering how I got into this position kind of opening. Um, and once we hear that Jack is to be executed, we kind of zoom back in time, right? And go back to before he was the preeminent, like, jailbreaker (laughs) of all of London. Um, and when he was being left in the servitude of a woodworker, carpenter kind of person. Yeah, Yeah. A mean carpenter. And I think it's very good that for once, literature represented a mean <laughs> carpenter and not like a kind of like old carpenter. <laughs> yeah, not like Geppetto or Joseph or like Santa, who is a carpenter, in my opinion. <laughs> I, um, I mean, that you, it's hard to argue. Because there are mean carpenters in real life. So it's nice that that's finally, yeah, this book, you know, taking this book a place tackles in fiction. a lot of expectation. Almost every expectation you can have, this book will flip on your head. You'll you'll hear about a carpenter and be like, that Aaron, must be a paternal and warm figure nice for the duration of this book. And then mm-hmm. immediately his name is. But no, no, no. Yeah. He's a slaver. He's like, ah, yeah, my little slave. He truly does lock up Jack when he's not working. <laughs> not not a good guy. I think his name is Kneebone, which also is just really an excellent name <laughs> for a cruel person. Yeah, but because really your knee your knee doesn't have any bones. In it. I don't know that that's true. <laughs> it's got. It's got. That it's, well, it depends what you consider your knee, right? <laughs> I just don't think that anyone's ever figured it out. That was yeah. what I heard. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like the actual thing, the thing that that bends it. That's not right. Bones. But there's like a floating kneecap, <laughs> that's what right? Saying. What is? The cap. That's I don't know true, what the I cap guess. is. <laughs> all I'm saying is, <laughs> all, I, all I'm saying is, Kneebone is kind of this fantastical <laughs> character. 
You know? <laughs> yeah, something about <laughs> it's just kind of like like being beyond beyond the A there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Heron, how accurate have we been so far? I think pretty accurate. I mean, also, um, I know I was uh, uh, railing on and on about like reading the book or not. I haven't read it in like seven months. So we're all putting this together. <laughs> I'm like, uh, uh, oh yeah, Nebo. Nebo. <laughs> the character then, of course. Yeah. Um, yes. So Nebo, we luckily don't spend that much time with Nebo at all. So that, I mean, you don't need to remember him. Because I think we spend most of the time yeah. in this book um, after Jack has liberated himself from the situation. Because Nebo accidentally leaves like a an instrument of building with him. I don't know anything about um, mm-hmm. well, making tuffets. <laughs> it's important. It's important to note that that Jack Shepard is an X man and can listen like different like materials and items oh. talk to him and like they tell him kind of how to like do things. So. He, like, listens to these tools and stuff, and that, like, that's how he can figure out yeah, how to, like, yeah, get out of his shackles. Yeah, at first it sort of just seems like he has an innate ability for craft making, or specifically uh, tuffet making, which I also mm-hmm. thought ruled that the primary uh, thing that they make in this book is tuffets, because I've only ever heard of tuffets in one other context. And I was like... I well, okay, still don't know the, what a tuffet is. What... Maybe I was I honed in on this because I've just been so curious about tuffets my whole life. But in in Confessions of the Fox, what they say about tuffets is that it's basically a chair for rich people's dogs. (laughs) And I loved that description. (laughs) Oh, oh, that's good. One thing that I noticed you entirely skipped over, Julie, is the fact that that Jack was assigned female at birth. We said that that Jack was trans in this iteration. Mm, yes, but we're not. Yes, but what you didn't mention was that Jack was forced by Kneebone um, and his you're mother right, to right. wear, you're like, right. you know, girl clothes, like, like a dress, like, be a servant. What you know, wear these like, like, mm-hmm. like, like femme clothes. Um, and uh, we like never even learn mm-hmm. Jack's dead name, um, which is good. Um, but I think that, you know, yeah. like, that's a notable choice um, to, like, that, like exclude, like, the, we see, like, the first yeah. letter a couple of times, and then everything yeah, else is, Yeah, which is, is like, a common like, way, out. like, to um, censor, like, curse words in that sort of, like, mm-hmm. uh, whatever year, 18th century, 1700s <laughs> um, uh, style of writing. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, it was interesting to see that used in this context, like, kind of mm-hmm. repurposed mm-hmm. for that. Mm. I mean, it's good that you, it's good that you've brought that up, but I feel like you wouldn't have. If <laughs> I'm glad I you did bring us back to that. that, that this is really a that portion also reminds of it me that of like a sort of running theme about. throughout this book that Jack describes really well that resonated with me and maybe anyone who's like dissociated in their life um, was his like quote Thames trick. I think is how he describes it, where like kind yeah. of when anything happens. Yeah. That he just needs to escape from mentally, including being dead named, including all of this kind of first portion of the book almost entirely before he leaves Kneebone. He just kind of like imagines his whole brain sinking into the water and just kind of leaves 
the physical world behind and it, 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 he does it a lot throughout the book and or references to it um, after he no longer needs to do it and I thought it was really yeah well done yeah. <laughs> the whole time um, I agree so he goes through this experience um, with Nevo and um, he, he's able to to you know kind of leave the house sometimes um, by like breaking um, uh, his, yeah. from his bondage, um, and also sometimes to yeah, go on errands. Yeah, he's allowed to go I to believe. market for like the um, purposes of selling the tuffets. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I was tracking those tuffets. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, when he leaves, he's able he's able to mm-hmm. wear kind of like more boyish clothes, um, and he like ba- like bandages his his, his breast and whatnot, um, and like his mother. Um, Nebo and all of these people, whenever he's presenting as feminine, are like, what an ugly piece of shit. What an ugly, <laughs> ugly girl. Um, but then when he dresses mm-hmm. as he as he would like to, um, ma- as, you know, more masculinely, everyone's like, what a hot dude. Wow. Incredible. Which is, like, honestly, like, truly the <laughs> ideal of transition. You know? Like, something that I certainly... I'm still working towards. I mean, good for Jack, though, to just be able to wear trousers and a shirt, and then all of a sudden, ooh la la, good yeah, for Jack. right away, you know? this uh, Bess character kind of sees him. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Bess is the other main character of this book, and Bess is mm-hmm. a South Asian um, immigrant who um, who is mixed and ends up in London um, and works at a church for a bit. Uh, and then, uh, what I really like, like how casual this Mm -hmm. book is about sex work, like someone who goes to the church is like, basically like, Hey, I run a brothel. If you Mm want to work there, that would be cool. And Bess is like, yeah, I would love to make money and not just be basically a servant at this church. Um, so she goes to work at this brothel and the first client she has is the pastor who just is like (laughs) bad at sex and is, and is like. Also, I'm like saving you by fucking you in a weird way. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of like when Bess meets um, Jack. That's that's mm-hmm. that's what she's yeah. been through. She goes more deeply into how, I guess, where where she was in with her parents um, before she got to London at a later time. But yes. in terms of like her journey in London, that's but what that's we know. That's what we yeah. know when, when we yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. And I think it is as simple as Jack's just walking one day, maybe the first few days after he's kind of figured out that he can slip this lock and walk around London f- more freely at night or mm-hmm. whenever um, his uh, knee bone is asleep. Mm-hmm. And I think they just like catch each other's eyes and are kind of infatuated from that first moment. Um, and then he sort of makes a note to return to to where he saw her. And they, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what happens when they meet, but it's a really kind of fun part of the book where he's just like flirting for the first time. Um, mm-hmm. And he's not like perfect mm-hmm. at it, but he's also so excited. And, he's, and like while, while he's flirting, he's yeah. like, I like this. Whoa, yeah. this is cool. And he gets to introduce Damn, himself okay. as Jack and yeah. she says it back to him. And it, that has like such a powerful effect on him to hear his name and hear it from her. Yeah, I mean, this whole book is sort of about him, like, coming into himself and taking ownership of himself and meeting Bess 
has like a very strong connection for him with that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, one important piece of context as we discuss this rest of the book is like, yeah, Jack is put into like a physical jail a number of times and is put into bondage with Nemo. But pretty much every commoner in London is in a jail at the time because Eileen has been outlawed going out and walking around on the streets without like explicit permission from your from your master can wind you up in prison and everyone's pissed about this and like gaining consciousness about Mm -hmm. why capitalism is fucked up through through these these really messed up oppressive rules um and so jack you know beyond running away from Nebo needs to figure out a way to exist in this world and not be criminalized um, for it. Yeah. And and really the only way is by constantly escaping. Um which is which is something he mm. he just simply has yeah. to do. And I'm I'm not sure where exactly um that leaves us cuz like we said this book has like sort of two narratives happening at once. It's the the manuscript that has been found that we're reading through that tells the story of Jack. And then it's the author um, or the editor, I guess, who's adding annotations to the manuscript and is sort of telling their own story um, in the footnotes, which is so, it's really honestly very, very funny at times. Very, Mm -hmm. uh, it, it kind of runs the gamut of genres of different stories we get in the footnotes. But, um, it starts out just annotations that this professor is doing on their own, but then at some point, uh, it's sort of mm-hmm. there starts to be more forces yeah. um, at play where uh, uh, the university kind of partners with like a a larger company. It's so, so yeah, the the the, Dr. the professor Doctor Voth, Dr. Voth mm-hmm. is also a trans man, and it starts off as like yeah. basically him just complaining about. Uh, how shitty his office yeah. is um, in, in a decrepit building on the campus that's that's broken that's that's breaking down um, and it continues to to barrel forward like like yeah I think it would be useful maybe yeah. to just like kind of knock out this and then Jack's story finish up um, yeah so just Jack keep in your Bess, keep Bess, in mind Bess's, Jack and Beth have met. Jack is but, flirting for the first time. Things are exploding for Jack. Yeah, and so we'll go th- we'll go through some of Doctor Voth's story, which is basically I, we can go like relatively quickly through it. I think he he's experienced mm-hmm. this like gigantic breakup that well, with mm-hmm. with a woman who changed his life. Um, who inspired him to be an activist and uh, activist inspired him like also like helped him be comfortable enough um, and, and have the support to transition you know and then all of a sudden you know mm-hmm. this person is is not there anymore and he's dealing with this you know questions of like we made promises to each other and those promises are gone and like how do we how, how do we deal with that like how does he deal with that and he's not really dealing with it well you know <laughs> he he's he's pretty bitter. He's mad. He's got a lot of things to be mad about, though. Um, he he goes on a on a <laughs> on a horrible date with like a pharmacist, um, a, yeah, like a, uh, pharmacy tech or phar- Ursula, yeah. And is it like at the student? Ph- that was something I was unclear on. Is, yeah, did she work at like the college pharmacy? Yeah, it sort of ended she up has being a connection like this commentary college. on how everything's a subsidiary of something else, and so like the the pharmacy 
was a subsidiary yeah, of the yeah. university somehow. And then so I think her name's Ursula is also in by like degrees an mm-hmm. employee of the university. So they kind of yeah, because because the the university is being funded oh, yeah, by this Pequod like, or something Bram. That very, but that just like I mean I I think this was like a good development in a way like it was intriguing, but it was very out of left field. This PB four company that is funding wants to fund yeah Doctor Voth's research, um, it, it, it has developed an artificial right. testosterone, and they they know that Doctor Voth is a trans man, and they yeah, want him to be the spokesperson of it. Which Jesus Christ has, haven't they heard of Jello Man? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sorry, Eric. I'm really I sorry for that. Don't one. know the reference you're referencing. <laughs> I don't wow. want to pretend that wow. I do. Really I feel like that'd be. Yeah. <laughs> that you would, can de- well, I'm willing actually, to let you decide which is worse, I guess but it's I don't kind of know. Like, do 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 you value art comfort, or do you value <laughs> your own catharsis from from coming clean um, and being <laughs> honest? You know, and I guess that's really a question you um, have to ask yourself. I guess. A little of both. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, we can move on. Point being, for whatever reason, this company that is invested in the college that Dr. Voth works at wants Dr. Voth to be the spokesperson right. for this fucking artificial testosterone. <laughs> um, the issue is that the, the testosterone that. is not artificial at all. So in order for them to sell it and put a patent on it, they have to... Um, they have to connect it with something else. Um, so they are connecting it with this manu. They're like, oh, let's connect it with this manuscript because we can kind of finagle through this like weird arm of our like of our company. We can we can take ownership over this uh, manuscript because it was sold technically through this book sale at the university. They're just kind of grasping at these like annoying, annoying straws to kind of manipulate. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Voth into being this pawn for them um, so they can sell this testosterone. Anyway. Is it... Wait. So, like, yeah, I guess I yeah, I, I didn't really register that um, as clearly. So, they, like... So, yeah, you're saying the, they can't legally it was, it sell it? It was super, super dense. I had to read it a few times. Um, because... It, and, and it's related to some th- maybe economic theorem that they referenced a few times. Um, but I didn't know it and I, you know... I'll, I'll look into it more later, but what it sounded like to me yeah. was that the issue is it is like super organic, like testosterone, like unaltered is kind of like the selling point. But the fact that it is unaltered means they can't technically like it's, you know, it exists in nature. You can't patent something that exists like you can't patent air unless you kind of box it up oh, some God. way and offer some sort of service that's unique to you alongside with it and then you can mm. you can say you're selling the most like natural organic like unaltered testosterone um but then they're I, they want to package it with this manuscript and sort of mm. sell it together it's very odd <laughs> it's a long I walk did, for a I short just, drink i did not <laughs> understand that oh uh, i can imagine uh, like a friend c- coming home from 
um, mm-hmm. go, going to the going to the pharmacy to get their tea, yeah, um, yeah. and coming back with like Judith Butler or something, like, just like yeah, just like a chapter with, book, like, like just like gender there, some novel. Like, I got it, but <laughs> I had to get the entire magic treehouse. God, they they said I had to take this. It's like the 20th anniversary edition of Testo Junkie. It's like a one minute video. Oh my God. Testo Junkie is like a, a book ghost in my house. It just, it turns up like in different places, just a pops up all, all over. Uh, so what, I don't remember what we were even getting at before. Oh, so we were basically just going to walk through Dr. Voth's story. So we're just going through Dr. Voth's story. Yeah, so, so and part of this is he, he dated this Ursula that we mentioned, this pharmacist. They went on one date. It went horrible because of Dr. Voth. Um, but, but still, he feels betrayed because he told Ursula about the transcript. And then Ursula told this company and the dean about it. And they're saying that they still mm-hmm. own the transcript because he, right, he didn't they were technically like, yeah, purchase you can take it because it was given to him papers. for free. Like, sure thing. Um, and um, so, yeah, I think what, where we can stop with Dr. Voth is that um, he's denied them um, uh, of uh, y- like using his image to promote this. He he well, doesn't want we go, to we give do, them this manuscript. We do go through uh, a few and chapters. He's worried he's going to be fired. Uh, it, where he has accepted their deal briefly, and it's like, okay, I mean, I need money, which is you know we've all been there. Of yes, like, yeah. I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. So yeah, sure, they can pay me and we get these few chapters with these like scary all caps like in addition mm-hmm. to the annotations we're used to we get these all caps ones from the company just kind of and it's got this like horrible like kind of jaunty cheerful tone um but it's all pretty uh surveillancey and sensory and big brothery um all the comments they make on the the manuscript and even the the annotations mm-hmm. themselves get less like effusive and less like and, storytelling yeah. during that portion of the book because it's like we're being watched <laughs> like mm-hmm. and, and the dean who's making these annotations um who's like dr voth's direct boss um is uh yes. insistent that there's like a missing page um that like an illustration is missing at one point um, and Dr. Voth yes. can't find it, doesn't, doesn't think there is one, but he's insistent. And that's kind of what pushes Dr. Voth over the edge again. And he's like, fuck this. I can't deal with this. And they're, they, they said, they say they're yeah, not going mean, to him if he can't find the page I think it's notable to you, too that the, like the page is supposed to be like page. a, like a graphic depiction of like genitalia, I think is what the missing page is. And I think that's a reason that it pushes mm-hmm. him over the edges because it's clear yes, that they yeah, want the like sensationalism like the... of this page, and they keep pressing and yes. pressing on this image. And um, uh, Doctor Voth eventually mm-hmm. is like, "Okay, this is untenable. Like, there's no respect for the like kind of goldmine of information that is here." Okay, yeah, that's true. And he, uh, so he kind of abandons them. Uh, and that's not quite yeah. the end of his story, but I think that we should talk about that end when when we talk mm-hmm. talk about the end of, yes. of Jack and Beth. So when story. we left them, <laughs> let's clip through this a little bit. I think we should. We should oh yes, it'll be a quick the pace up a little. Beth, Jack, <laughs> they had met, locked yeah. eyes, they're in love, uh, pretty quickly. Um, so they start living together. 
Yeah, they they start living together. They start they start hooking up. Jack uh, steals a wash, a, mm-hmm. a wash, a watch, a watch. <laughs> I should have had five years of speech therapy. Jack steals a watch from a thief mm-hmm. who st- who himself has stolen it mm-hmm. from 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 this this merchant. Um, and eventually Jack is caught with that yes. watch by the thief's boss who is also like the like the head of the, yeah. the sentinels like the like the police basically um and runs the prison um imprisons jack um says you're gonna work with me right, or you're gonna basically die this, um and then jack breaks out of the jail for the first time. um he also is the head of like Wild. a large contingent of like thieves who he kind of sends out, has them steal stuff, like, catches them. It's like a whole mm-hmm. operation he's got going on where he just feeds into it continuously mm-hmm. himself and is pretty much the only one who benefits from it. But He is also, like, a hyper-capitalist. He thinks all of this should be legal he because the market should the have market. no constraints or else it will die. And mm-hmm. yet, at the same time, he wants to constrain it. He wants to control Isn't that it so that he has the most benefit. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Joe Biden should listen yeah. to this podcast. I'm going to just say that right now. I think he could learn a lot. <laughs> at the very the least. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Joe? What do you uh, think, Trapper Joe Biden calls pussy? <laughs> I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call. I think he probably calls it Delaware Chowder. No. <laughs> I was just thinking like a nice evening slice of pizza, but like yeah. Delaware Chowder wow. takes the cake. Okay. Well. Oh my god. Okay. So. Um. Okay. So yes, we've got at that point. I think we've got our main players. We've got Wild. We've got. Jack, sort of the uh, two opposing forces for this whole manuscript, the the like thief and the thief catcher, um, and uh, yeah, at the point when he takes that watch, that's like his first pickpocketing job, and the the first time he makes it onto the radar of Wild, uh, because he's put down into like the worst, like the most difficult horrible part of the jail and he breaks out and that kind of skyrockets him to thief fame and then from there greatest hits let's see there's sort of a training montage of like becoming a better thief um, (laughs) running up and down the stairs yeah (laughs) he he steals a a bunch of stuff Oh, yeah, a lighthouse, and I then think, he tells Bess. No, no, no. We skipped that, over one uh, very important anything, uh, moment but, in the middle. Yeah, which if, the Chimera well, stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, because yeah, the Chimera stuff. Because Doctor Evans, she's like, oh, I have this client who's like really into Chimeras, which are like mm-hmm. m- like humans with mythical attributes, basically. Which so like eventually Jack has like unve- unveiled his whole body to Bess and 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 she she sees that that he has uh you know like a vagina and a clitoris and stuff yeah and and to her she's like oh this is mythic this is like you know like this is this is something special you know and like kind of like to be celebrated but also examined you know um, and I think that is both, you know, validating right. to Jack, but also very terrifying, you know, in a way. Um, so um, as uh, this quarantine, the right, the quarantine goes down right about this time. Yes, which is also crazy enough, that 
crazy, Heron, that you read this like right before lockdown, you were saying? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even like, it didn't click until I think as one of you began explaining the plot, I was like, okay, what happens in my head going through a checklist? And I was like, oh, right. There's like a pandemic, which actually like is, you know, Bess and, and Jack are like, oh no, they're actually using it as an excuse to like, further entrench the like like lockdown of borders and the entrenchment of capitalism and policing i'm like i just completely forgot that i read this book when a month later the pandemic happened and at least at least at least this pandemic that they didn't use it to like strengthen policing and stuff you know at least like with our pandemic that didn't happen like it happened in the book but parallels to draw no, I've never drawn fewer parallels between a book and a present day period. Yeah, I closed the book ultimately feeling good about our pandemic. I was like, they didn't totally create a police state out of out of this. Yeah, nobody cut my tits <laughs> off, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I honestly I would be fine with someone cutting my tits off during the pandemic as long as they gave me new ones. Which doesn't happen to Jack, but also that's not what he wants. But like, yeah, right. So like, I love the gun to your head right now. It's just like, <laughs> like, like, let me cut your tits off, and I'll give you new ones. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would be fine with fine with that. Well, let's just say I've been reading up a little bit on Spiral Lockdown recently, and I think it fucked up my tits a little bit. But that's fine. It's it, well, it's not. But point being, so Jack <laughs> talks to this doctor, Doctor Evans, um, who's like really into chimeras, has all of these different drawings, um, and has done so much research into them. And on top of that, like, 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 it's like, oh, we can like, like, suggest top surgery. Like, he's like, mm-hmm. you have luxuriant genitalia, and we we can fix this. And yeah, um. That was kind of a hard turn for me, but I also like. I guess that makes sense because oh, yeah, a lot Jack's of Jack's not on HRT or anything, right? No, like, right? Okay, he just has this but, luxuriant genitalia. But there, it's interesting that you say that because later on there is a substance that is kind of like HRT. Right? Isn't it something that they're? Tr- I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, no. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> no, you can, Aaron. You can throw in whatever you want. I'm just remembering this too now. I'm like, that's part of one of the heists. Like, they're trying to, like, steal something off a ship that would, I yeah, guess, yeah. essentially be some, like, HRT equivalent. Yeah, it's called Gravel. And it's, <laughs> yeah, and it's, in the which book is a it weird is... name for it. American I, I... Healthcare told trans people, eat rocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, wild. I mean, I guess we'll, we'll get into it more later, but the, the gravel substance in this book, they wild sees it as a way to like create like super police basically yeah but the first and time is we that ever... a real thing i'm sorry if that sounds dumb but is 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 there like a real is it just cocaine heron do you know um i mean from what i gather testosterone is cocaine but maybe <laughs> my, my research is just off i don't know that's true that's true I think so. From what I've seen, no, 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 that's not what I've seen. That's not not what I've seen. That's not what I've seen. Please don't clip that three seconds. I thought I was going to be the one to pull out the transmissendry first, but (laughs) I I, I doubt the hat I'm not wearing to you, man. 
testosterone does wonderful things to many people. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a... We, point being, this gravel. <laughs> the first. Well, this is this is why we start talking about the top surgery because that's the first moment where we encounter in the novel this mm-hmm. mysterious substance. Um, mm-hmm. Is after Doctor Evans talks to Jack and it brings up the idea of this top surgery and is like, oh yeah, I can totally do it too. Yes, Which- exactly. <laughs> He's like. I, and that's interesting. Like, doctors and professors, like, back in the day, just were kind of like, just a grab bag of diff- different things that they ha- they knew. It wasn't like, it wasn't like Dr. Voth today, who's like, <laughs> Dr. Voth I know a lot about Jack Shepard. Hmm. You know? It's like, yeah, I can do top surgery. I know a lot about chimeras. I can read Latin. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know? I'm an amateur landscaper at home, if you ask yeah. my wife. <laughs> but yeah, so he's like, I can actually, I think I can kind of do this. Like, I've only really read about it, but I feel like I can do this. Although, I, uh, Jack's under the impression that he's done this before. <laughs> but that's, we later find out that's not the case when they actually get to the procedure. Um, and... Jack bleeds a little bit and Dr. Evans immediately passes out. <laughs> yes. And also Dr. Evans gives him like medicine beforehand. Yeah. Which I which think includes, is the gravel. It inc- yeah, maybe. it's the gravel. He like has him yeah. uh snort it, I think. Yeah, uh, so maybe it is cocaine. <laughs> That's true. The more, the more we describe it, who knows? <laughs> Although there there's but, sort of a, a recipe for it at the end, which So Bass swoops in and is like, don't worry, I can finish this. Incredible moment for Bass. Yes, just straight up finishes Jack's top surgery. That moment was, I mean, that whole scene was very stressful to read. Um, Yeah. And then Bess came in. Yeah, she just calmly finishes up and Jack sort of comes to and is like, what happened? And she's like, no, I did it. I just sewed you right up. <laughs> We're fine. Um, but that is the moment we are introduced to the quote-unquote gravel. There's a whole section after that where Jack sort of is like reacclimating and enjoying his body, probably for the first time in the book. Yeah, he's feeling more comfortable um, in his skin and, that, and that, that, that comfortability like inspires him to be um, a little more daring, you know, like he starts, yeah. uh, the heists get bigger, he, big heists. He heists the toy shop. He heists the light lighthouse. He heists, uh, some, some ships. He, uh, some plague ships. He's just really yes. kind of, you know, all, all over, all over this. Yeah. Once they're out of quarantine, which can, I think conveniently was pretty much during the healing process of his procedure. They were in quarantine because yes yes exactly so once the the world reopens but they also like let's there's there's this racist undercurrent with the quarantine where they're like all south asian people Mm -hmm. um need to be locked up because they're bringing the plague in even though best has been there for years at that point Mm -hmm. um so they have to leave the brothel and find a new home yeah um they're basically i mean the whole in the whole throughout the whole book they're also following the the trail of this gravel that 
Jack had because there was one heist in the lighthouse where he kind of got his hands on some more of it and got a few clues as to where it came from. And so now they're kind of trying to figure out what this substance is, who is making it and for what purpose. I guess it, greatest hits version, it leads back to, of course, Wild, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, who is, as we said, hoping to use this substance to create sort of super police. But Jack is obviously interested in it because it starts to work for him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It starts to change his body in a way that he likes. um, And he wants to find it. um, This is where sort of Bess and him start to diverge is he wants to find it to continue to use it. um, And Bess is convinced that if they find it, it has to be destroyed. And that is like their responsibility to destroy it or else because those in power will abuse it. Right. She's sort of in that mental space of like, of course we could try and have it for ourselves, but in the end, they're always going to have what they want from us. Like they're always going to get to us because that's kind of what happened to her parents. I think that that's when Mm -hmm. she lets them in to that story. Yeah. Um, She, her parents were, um, she had a white mom and um, a South Asian dad. Did they? What country is she from? I'm Did not they specify? sure specifically. The way that it's described or defined in the annotation, I think, was just South Asian. I don't think it got yeah. more specific. Doctor Voth dropped the ball on that one. But it was interesting, like, this, one thing this book did for me, it really widened my perspective to, like, international connections in that period of history. Yeah. Like, there being, like, a rebellion in South Asia, like, the, they call it, like, the Fens of South Mm -hmm. Asia, like, the, they said that, that, that Bess's parents were, like, Fen tigers, um, Mm -hmm. and they rebelled against, um... The English Surveyors, and the, they call the them. East India Trade, yeah, the in- East India Trading Company, um, and so like basically, Bess was was raised with this radical anti-capitalist I- ideology that mm-hmm. wasn't just like her cultural background, you know. It was like also in response to what was happening, which I thought was like like by phrasing like framing it like that, it was like a boon to like my understanding of it and it also made it seem less like in a movie or something characters will like wash up on a foreign island or something they'll be like oh their society is based around peace and love or whatever and Mm -hmm. it was it was much more complicated that than that and in response to this violence from england it wasn't just like saying like oh this culture is totally different it was like talking about how this culture had to adapt and respond to to england's aggression it's interesting to watch Jack's mind being open to these concepts for the first time and and interacting with Bess, um, who is kind of exhausted by these concepts at this point. This yes, isn't the yeah. first time she's experienced capitalism, like, wrecking, mm-hmm. like, uh, a home of hers. And it, it's just really interesting to hear her story and then um, see these two different people sort of having their eyes... I mean, Jack's eyes being open to this and then her just going through this again. Um. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting, too, because so many things are interesting in this book. Have you noticed that? Like, yeah, I would say a long so list many of, things interest. of interest. But yeah. um, it's like, Bess is from, like, a country that's been subjugated, like, mm-hmm. by colonialism. But, like, right. when she was with her parents and the Fen Tigers, she enjoyed a degree of freedom that Jack mm-hmm. didn't, it seems. Right. Like, during, you know, like, like 
Jack has been so tightly under like the this like fist of capitalism like as like an underclass in in london that it's kind of hard for him to understand these concepts because of that you know right. even though he's part of the society with it which is oppressing and subjecting you know like through 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 like white supremacy like the, the part of the world that that best is from right and there's there's even a quote i think pretty early on maybe in one of the annotations where like the dr voth is like frustrating frustratedly like they take everything like they even take your imagination referring mm-hmm. to jack and how um a lot of the book is just like jack learning to even have these thoughts like he didn't even know he could think about the idea yeah. of a different way of life and there's so many different factors both like capitalist and also just mm-hmm. with with his discomfort with the way people view him like there's so much keeping him from accessing like a lot of life's like experience that he's just like unlocking a lot um throughout this book and best sort of acts as like this guide to like a lot of uncharted waters thought wise for him um mm-hmm. so and i do think it's interesting that you both already talked about this like 10 or so minutes ago but <laughs> that disagreement where they kind of part ways and how it's like at it's like at a baser level if it's kind of a disagreement about like this like white trans person finding what seems like liberation through mm-hmm. um a personal endeavor that benefits him personally and also is like through like the european colonial gender system and she is like a brown cis woman who like comes from like a family history of being like colonized and subjugated like grace said like it's just like these like ultimately at least as the way that it's like explored in the book it's like ultimately like um what's the word it can never be reconciled irreconcilable um aims for the two of them um i thought that was really interesting and also for like rosenberg to like make the protagonist jack um or like the the main protagonist of the two of them um yeah kind of like a little bit at fault or just like not like as the reader from my end i was also like well yeah like why can't he see how this is like she's never going to be cool with that that decision even if i do also understand why he wants it for obvious reasons like Mm -hmm. given my own experience in the world but yeah it's fascinating and he does kind of eventually come around to it but the he only really does because he finally sees like they they get to that point where it's like oh loss is imminent like wild is gonna get the his uh gravel back and like he can kind of see like the steps from there once he kind of sees how it's all gonna play out which is like what Bess has seen since the beginning um yeah he realizes the way that he was thinking about it was sort of short-sighted and sort of just like yet again he like has to widen his like bubble of thought on the whole situation and there was just a layer he wasn't able to even perceive until it was right in front of him and so yeah it's it's fascinating to see them at odds in that moment though and just kind of that frustration of like i want them to reconcile but these two things just are not gonna they're not gonna meet in the middle when they do reconcile in the end it's because kind of in part like jack needs salvation like he needs best to save him Mm -hmm. um Which she does. She she loves him and she obliges. Um, but it is certainly not 
Uh, he is. He's kind of forced to do that in a way. Yeah, his ultimate plan was to just take the stuff and kind of run away with her, and that fails. And then they're able to reach an understanding. But anyway, so yeah, I guess what we're kind of building up to anyway is that main kind of climax of the book or of the manuscript, I guess, is when they they. F- through a bunch of different means and through talking to different people, they are able to track down this huge source of gravel in on this ship, but it ends up being sort of a trap they've walked into with Wild. And it looks like all is lost. He's sort of cornered them in this ship. Oh, gosh, yeah. Now I'm remembering a lot of the details because at, up until that point, they don't understand what the gravel is, um, no. what it's made of or where it comes from or... Um, and I think down there in, in the, like, belly of the ship, like, is where they find the, like, laboratory where Wild is... Well, he's planning on making it sort of a mobile laboratory to create this stuff indefinitely. Um, and basically, <laughs> I think... I'm not sure if there's other ingredients into it, but he's essentially going to, like, cut off the testicles of rogues and thieves and other people that he deems you know bottom of society and he yeah. crushed he crushes up their testicles and like puts that into this concoction and then it sells it as this like elixir i think he calls it and he puts some cocaine in it and he puts some cocaine in it. god you know i'm glad that isn't a real life thing that works because <laughs> if so god imagine our world right now there would just be well, actually, no, I do... Sorry. I take that back. I wish it was a real thing. <laughs> because then I could prob- I could possibly make a profit off of bottom surgery. <laughs> there you go. There's always a silver lining. <laughs> no, I say that... I'm sorry, Heron, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and I mean, because I was just thinking, like, yeah, yeah, cool how that, like, never happened. And then I'm like, oh, wait, now I'm vaguely remembering, like, some... 19th or 20th century like trans man equivalent just like whether or not he like identified that way like getting like i think like animal testicles implanted into his lower abdomen or like like the earliest version of like synthetic estrogen Mm -hmm. was like primarin which was pregnant marierin or it was initially derived from that or something there was some sort of source of it being like pregnant marierin which i guess is like on a scale of normal to not it's different than people's balls but it's still it's it's a only a few steps (laughs) i need to finally read that transgender history book that my partner got me for christmas two years ago that's my that's that's my new year's resolution is that um susan Stryker's book i think so yeah it's good i like it um i think it's a really good book um, okay, so so yeah, so they, they they find this, and and then they are in fact able to to outsmart Wild. Yes, it, in a lot of ways, this the the story that goes in the is, is in the manuscript is like very kind of classic thief escaping like a policeman or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and like outsmarting him at every turn, and he's like just always like, "Damn you, Jack Shepard," um, and. That happens again, even though Jack at this point is the legs are just like shattered in horrible, horrible ways, yes. and he is not in a good way. Um, they managed to 
because um, Wild put the little testosterone laboratory in next to the gunpowder room of the ship, which was maybe bad call. Um, they're able to just like, <laughs> yeah, notoriously bad call. They are able to just like light it up and blow up the ship. <laughs> and that pretty much solves that. Although it does leave, it does kind of bring us back to the beginning of the book where like the ship is exploded. Everyone's kind of scattered. Bess has gone. Everyone's kind of gone flying. Um, certainly a couple people have died, but our main characters are managed to survive and, but they're all weak and scattered. And so uh wild arrests Jack brings him to hang and he appears to hang um, his, his thief friend brings him to some doctor and he reveals he like swallowed some of the, of wild had these like secret recipe pages for the gravel that Bess had found and handed to him. And he like swallowed them and kept him in his throat. So like the, the noose wouldn't uh, hang him completely. It's very, uh, I don't, I don't know that that would work, but I like the idea of it. Um, I think it would. I've actually done that before. So <laughs> <laughs> Right on. <laughs> Myth not busted. <laughs> Life hack for the list. No, please don't. Please don't. Yeah. <laughs> do not do that. Um, and you know, so and this is where it really deviates from um what actually what 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 happened in real life to this. Well, like I mean, other things obviously, like he probably wasn't trans in real life. Right, it's recontextualizing Best, a lot of it, but it's possible. Yeah, Best probably wasn't South Asian. But point being, in the end, real life Jack Shepard is dies by hanging mm-hmm. after not being able to escape one last time. But in the book, he escapes with Bess back to South Asia to be a, be a member of the Fen Tigers. And he's like, yeah. oh, fuck. But okay. Yeah, and <laughs> he's it's basically like, what am I gonna do? Yeah, <laughs> okay. he's like, I'm gonna miss London. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Because again, it's like that's literally all he's ever been able to conceive of as a home, as a place mm-hmm. to live. So yet again, he's just sort of going way past the bounds of anything that he's ever experienced. <laughs> but do you guys know the the game Sly Cooper? Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay, yeah. Do you think Sly Cooper was two demo discs one time? Yeah. Do you think Sly Cooper was based on Jack Shepard? Oh my god. <laughs> I did Sly- zero convincing. Yeah. <laughs> is Jack Shepard if he if Jack Shepard is the basis of Sly Cooper, then Sly Cooper is the first trans leading character, first trans man leading character. In a triple A video game. Pretty cool. I think we can make that call. <laughs> I can't believe society just let them release a game called Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoon. Yeah. This is perverse. Yeah. This is this raccoonus. I hate this. Wow. And, we can... and the sequel the sequel to Sly Cooper. Sly Cooper 2, the subtitle is Master of Quim. So we should have known. It's right there. Sorry, I shouldn't be like degrading trans men's art like this. Yeah. I cannot so, cannot stop thinking about Sly. So back to back to Dr. Voth. Um, Dr. Voth, it seems to have been suggested that he altered 
this this manuscript this uh, he he might have added this ending where they go they they go away together into some sort of like possible like queer paradise a place where they're able to be free right and it mirrors dr voth's decision um to go to what a, a place that he says is a place where all people like him and like people reading this book who he he suggests wink wink are all trans. So Julie, kind of like uncool of you to read this. <laughs> um, he's kind of like you you all know where to go. This place is in your heart, and you can just go and find it. Yes. And I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I, I was don't know gonna about because <laughs> he said in the <laughs> at the end it was like if if you are who I think you are, like essentially like if you are trans and you're reading this, you'll know how to get there. So I was. I was going to ask, did you guys feel like you knew how to get there? <laughs> okay, are we, um, is it time for me to ask you questions? Let's do yes. it, let's do it. Because that way I can tell you an answer to your question. Um, okay. Just as like a first question for you both. What did you think of the ending? Okay, perfect timing. I'll let you go first, Julie. Time to judge your opinion. Oh boy. <laughs> See, this is where <laughs> it's going to be, it's oh, going to be... Do I save my, like, uh, judgment of your opinions until the end? Until the end, yeah. Well, Well, I mean, yes, you can say whose answer you liked better, for sure. um, And you yeah and then, and then at the end collectively you can say whatever you want yeah, just at any time but then, a, but then after all the questions you'll say who you act who you think triumphed yes so what did you think of the ending i liked the ending um i liked that it played into the the kind of narrative at the end where um uh dr Voth was suggesting that all kinds of different uh, queer people had probably contributed to this manuscript and then it, that it wasn't necessarily the work of one person of an original work of Jack Shepard's like we thought going into it um, and that by the end of it that had become so clear to him and so important to him that he wanted to add to that and also it was nice that it wasn't a tragedy <laughs> which happens a lot in stories about queer people um, I liked just having, I mean, it wasn't quite like a walk into the sunset. We're sure everything's fine moment, but it was nice that the people who are in love or fell in love in the beginning, like kind of got to still be together in the end. And um, it seemed like Jack, even though he was scared, was like, this is still a version of life that I would prefer to any other version. So I liked it. I don't know if I was a fan (laughs) entirely. I, um, I wish there was a little more definition to this place that he was going. If it wasn't physical definition, like emotional and spiritual definition, you know? Um, because I think that when, like, telling this story about, um, that that is, like, essentially about how queer people tell stories about each other in the end and like how we've built this mythology for ourselves um i think that that was a beautiful powerful story and to have it build up to well we we know a place we can all go this like mythical i don't know like kind of metaphysical space that that will be safe and protected I, I I guess that didn't r- ring very true for me because I I don't feel like I have that space. 
I don't know if I know any of my trans friends who really have that space, you know? And I guess, like, I don't know, it felt like something a bad therapist would say. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know if I liked the, end, the ending very much. Okay, so, um, I will, there are no wrong answers when it comes to evaluating literature, but if, in this podcast, I guess I'm in charge. Um, so I will say that um, Julie was wrong and Grace was right. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. Um, yeah, I, Don't worry. I love this. Okay, so I hope I like didn't spoil this earlier. I was trying to keep my opinions on the book to myself. I love this book up until the last like 40 pages. And then I was mm. so... I hated the ending so much. <laughs> I was so mad at it because I was like... Um, so the way I was the book was resonating with me um, without disclosing or disparaging um, the workplace or naming it because I legally cannot do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hypothetically, of course, I don't know. I'm not saying anything exists or does not exist. Any kind of agreement to not disclose or disparage. It's about um, hostess. You're in the clear. It's about hostess. <laughs> cool. Heron ran the social media for Hostess brand snacks <laughs> for a number of years. And they fired me for posting a picture of uh, furries fucking, and I was like, this is literally censorship of my trans kids. Um, and anyway, um, I said eat donuts. Like, what do you want? <laughs> um... So I really related to this like narrative and like meta narrative story within a story about someone um, trying to tell a, 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 a trans person trying to like produce trans culture in a way that felt and resonated authentically with that trans person trying to do that, the Dr. Voss character. And then because that work was being funneled through an institution that like gave the resources and support for that storytelling and that creative work making, um, it just the institution was constantly going to get in the way of that process and make it feel soul crushing, like just make you feel like shit while you're trying to do that. Without naming names, that was very relevant to my life at the time. Um, thankfully, it is not at the moment. And that's the joy of freelancing and layoffs and stuff is that you don't have an institution bearing down your neck to produce authentic trans content. Um, but that is also why I like, I, I felt like the author just like didn't want it like was afraid to commit to the ending and just like mm. like I kept thinking like oh my god I wish you just stuck the landing this would be one of my favorite books I've ever read yeah. to me like the um the breakdown and the revelation that actually this manuscript was like it's the crowdsourced work of everyone trans and marginal who's ever lived through history all people on the outskirts and even like star like street transvestite action revolutionaries they also contributed and i was like no they didn't yeah, <laughs> yeah they didn't make a story about how like a white british thief from the 18th century yeah. london was trans like they don't why would they tell this story anyway yeah. um to me this is maybe like a really um ungenerous reading and i'm definitely projecting so whatever i'm like two two hours deep in this podcast so hopefully jo jordy rosenberg isn't listening because um this is a kind of cunty projection but like to me it seemed like he was uncomfortable with the fact that he was a chosen white trans person who was given a mm. book deal when like Ooh, yeah. book deals are few and far between for trans people and so 
instead of just like accepting that that was a thing he had accepted um, and producing the strongest narrative he could and not undermining the strong narrative he'd produced. Like he ended up trying to make the book about like how we all had written this book together. And I was just like, no, no, we didn't. You wrote it. Your name is on the cover. This is your book. Like, finish your book like yeah yeah. it feels very like kumbaya (laughs) yeah i'm like well i didn't see any residuals for this book like (laughs) i'm not getting royalties on confessions of the fox i didn't write this oh that's interesting that's interesting because i have gotten a couple royalty checks i didn't even yeah i didn't even realize it was a book but the name of the novel was on there (laughs) so um when you suggested it i was like oh weird coincidence it's always like i got my fox money again this month (laughs) (laughs) i'll name some names yeah you know yeah because i agree this made me this really reminded me of my experience at click hole and um just you know like just running up against a brick wall again and again and again and that brick wall's name steve (laughs) etheridge um you've got my email bitch uh but uh yeah so i agree i felt very similarly uh let's move on to the next question um the next question is do you think i have a hardcover or a <laughs> oh so this is a, so this is one where it's like there's a right and wrong answer clearly so let's do the thing okay, where we okay. write yeah, it yeah, down right. and then i really i believe in you heron so i'm just do we hold up our answers yes one uh, two three i said hardcover slash digital Oh my god, you're both wrong. It's oh a paperback. My gosh. <laughs> oh no. no. Wait, I gotta start keeping track of these points. I have six one. Julie has nine. And we both just got none so, for this. And then an important part of it too is these points can factor into your decision, but you all you also don't need to decide yeah. based on the points. Like if like other observations like mattered more to you. Alright, next question, I guess. What was the best word for pussy in the book? Mm. <laughs> I'm just going to go with Quim. I think Quim is gross and beautiful, and um, I like the letter Q. I liked, um, I liked uh, monosyllable. <laughs> um, I'm sorry again, Julie, but Grace is correct. <laughs> We also might have accepted Tuzzy Muzzy if there was a case made for it. Um, although that could have still been a controversial answer because that's like physically revulsive, repulsive, repulsive to say. Right? I don't think that I was the person that could have made the winning case for Tuzzy Muzzy. Yeah, because here's the thing. You can imagine Austin Powers saying Tuzzy Muzzy. No, why are you making me imagine this? (laughs) We should have done an Austin Powers reading of all of the Tuzzy Muzzy. (laughs) No. Now I'm imagining it. How dare you? You're right. I can't imagine Um, Is there another question? Yeah. Uh, what did you think about the relationship between um, uh, Jack and Beth? Those are their names. Sure, I can go first. Um, I, I, I mean, I thought that it was kind of like they, they, that it was like a first love thing, but they weren't like a great match. But they just kind of kept going with it because they were like, "Well, that's the person." That I have, I guess, you know. 
And I thought it was a beautiful love story, but I thought, so like, okay, I guess what, what I mean is like, it was a great first love. And I thought, I thought it was like a really beautiful and like tender, um, relationship and had like, like, like good moments of tension that like were reasonably worked through, like some of the chimera stuff. But what we, as we've talked about, when Jack got obsessed with the gravel, you know, Beth just put herself in a position again and again where she had to explain, explain, and explain, and, like, really, at the cost of her own mental, emotional, and even physical safety, um, really had to put her neck out on the line just just to, like, f- like get Jack to listen to her. Um, and then in the end, you know, like, provided salvation to him um, that also put, put her at risk, you know, like, I think bringing someone new back to, um, a very different place who, like, doesn't know, um, that society and who, like, has proven to be kind of blockheaded, um, and not willing to listen. I mean, that's a risk, you know? So I think that Bess should have just kind of, like, kicked him to, maybe didn't not kicked him to the curb, but, like, you know, I don't think that they were meant to be... I don't think they were as faded lovers as this book was trying to convince us that they were. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say something sort of similar. I, I It obviously, like, was uh, so nice to see a lot of their happiest moments and when they were just, like, really drinking each other in and, like, they used each other sort of as a sense of, like, vitality at ma- very many points in the book. Um but it was like very, also very much like a teacher-student dynamic during a lot of it, which is kind of what Grace was saying, but mm-hmm. um, which doesn't feel like a thing that is necessarily sustainable forever. Or like, it felt like Bess was Jack's door to like um, being just like a more full person um, and a great person to do that for him. Um, but I don't know if when that's the dynamic you start with, I don't know if that's the kind of like relationship that should last forever necessarily, even though it's going to bring them both like really great things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I kind of agree. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it was this like beautiful moment for both of them, but there's just like certain things like that Jack doesn't understand about the world that he's still learning that Bess has known for so long and is so exhausted by like it. it I just yeah. wonder like if that gap can ever be reconciled um even though like physically and and just like there's so many ways that they are compatible but it made me sad in some moments because it reminds you of like that person that you so like want to meet at their level but like you just can't (laughs) sometimes and you there's you have all these other reasons that you like are so you think that it it should be perfect but there's these kind of like blind spots where the two of you were there's just these kind of unpassable chasms and I hope that I mean in, it seems like in the in the ending in the like peachy like happy ending that uh Dr. Voth like annotated into existence maybe they do cross those divides but I think maybe in the ending that you were hoping for where things don't quite work out it seems like that might have been where it was headed was that this actually wasn't the star-crossed love that that the book makes it out to be. It was just, like, more of a moment. And also just, like, as a, as a queer and trans person, like, I think that's a common... Like, that doorway relationship is, like, common. You know, like, so, like a, a person who's, like, newly out 
dating someone who's been out, like like I guess like Bess wasn't out as like queer exactly but like she like had a strap I don't know so I guess like she must have been like she's just expe- it seems she's been exposed in yeah she's like, been exposed in general to just like more sexuality overall yeah like I don't know if she would put put herself like I don't know how she if she would describe herself as that exactly but like you know, you see people, and I, I was in, and like you just like those sorts of relationships are really like they, they. I think they start with a lot of heat, and then there's this discrepancy, you know, of experience, and also like you know, like you're kind of using mm-hmm. each other in different yeah. ways, you know, and um, in that kind of relationship. And I don't think it's even bad, like yeah. that. That like that exchange is bad necessarily, but I think it's hard to continue to be tenable for a long time, you know. <clears throat> so yeah, those are my thoughts. Um, ooh, I feel like you're both right. Um, cool. Yeah, you can cool. say that. You can say that. <laughs> I think you're both right. Um, me as like a teacher of comparative literature. You're both right. <laughs> Tech plus for you both. You PhD candidates in literature. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a really exciting, interesting relationship, and definitely one that you can like. Um, like you both said, like you can. I, I don't. It recalls a lot to the reader who's been in similar relationships. Um. And I do love like the writing about the relationship and it's so passionate and so um, at times contentious and mm-hmm. um, and also not really like meant to last forever, but it does it does what it needs to when it does. Um, okay, wait, sorry, I have like two other questions. Yeah, that's great. Um, that's great. Yes. Wait till you hear the questions. Um, <laughs> would you would you let your um, hot GF perform top surgery on you without <laughs> anesthesia in the 18th century in London. Do I get gravel? <laughs> if you would like. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to put myself in this headspace. I know, I'm like so well, scared of <laughs> like just the like rusty like material like <laughs> Just like the knife that they had even. I'm like, okay, put yourself in a frame of mind where not everything you have is like sterilized. Mm. I mean, yeah, probably, right? <laughs> I if I get gravel. Hmm. I don't I hmm. But without I don't know if I'd want to take gravel. So I don't think <laughs> I <laughs> I don't think that I... I mean, I'm literally, by the way, when both of you talk about taking it or not, I'm literally picturing, like, a popcorn bucket filled with little rocks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, this is fine now. I don't... I mean, hmm. God, it depends on which hot GF. Um, I, I, I think I... I don't... I think I... I that might, it would be the only way that I could get top surgery back then, probably. I haven't had top surgery, and I don't know, like, what it's like. I bet it... I've heard it really hurts, though, even with anesthesia. So, I think I'm going to say no. I think I wouldn't let that happen. I would be pretty freaked out. 
I'm gonna say yes and say at least I die looking at my hot girlfriend with like a scalpel. <laughs> okay. I just, you know, it's interesting that you even thought that you had the authority to answer this question, Jolie. <laughs> You're right. I should have. I should have recused myself. Aaron, <laughs> who was right? Oh wait, so Grace, you said no, right? And I said Julie no. Said yes. I said Grace I is said right. No. What's wrong with you? Like. <laughs> Yeah, you were just trying to look cool and trans. Like, sure, I could top surgery any day of the week. No, like, uh, don't let someone like do surgery on you just because you love them. What the hell? This is unfortunately, yeah, probably too indicative of the way I am in relationships. <laughs> Would you do um, 18th century London top surgery on your um, BF? Is he asking me to do it? Did Jack ask in the book or was it sort of like somebody needs to do this? It was a like, it was an emergency. Somebody's gotta drive the the car. (laughs) Cause half of it had already been done. He was already cut open. Oh my God, what a fucking scenario. Yeah, (laughs) it was very. Okay, so if you're hot BF, was getting um, post-enlightenment top surgery in London town um, and needed you to finish the job because it stopped halfway through, would you do it? I would try. I would try, yeah, in that situation. Because, like, what else am I going well, to I do? What, you I, know? Like, what I was going to say is maybe the only other option is, like, I don't know that I'd continue with the surgery. I think I'd try and, like, stop the bleeding and be done with that like i don't know that i'd continue the yeah. procedure that we were attempting i think i just damage control let's get like a bandage on whatever's bleeding and then i'd be like yeah maybe. that's i guess i i would sew i would sew it up uh and i'm not very good at sewing so it would probably be like a big deal it sounds um, like that's roughly what best did <laughs> Yeah, so that's what I would do. So you wouldn't sew it? No, I mean, I guess whatever to stop the bleed. I'm just saying I wouldn't try. I think if you don't sew it, it would continue to bleed. I guess, but I think there's a difference between sewing up what's already done and like really like attempting to do the procedure justice, if that makes sense. Because I think what happened in the book was like, but you're, I'm saying I would sew it up, and you're saying you would just put a bandage on it? <laughs> I don't know. Like, we're splitting hairs on what it is to, like, <laughs> fix the damage. I don't think that's splitting hairs. I, I don't think that's splitting I hairs. I think, yeah, I guess if you're saying I, I would not, I don't think I'd attempt to sew it. I don't think I would have the confidence to, like, try and sew it up. I think I would probably panic and then, like, just wrap, like, tourniquet-style, like, bandages around the wound and, like, try and just, like, apply pressure and hope that I would... I mean, I would, I, I would do what needed to be done, and in my opinion, what needed to be done would probably be. I don't know. Sewing. In the in the book, I feel like it was just like a incision, and then I guess maybe it was if it was deep. Then I guess there's that's all you can do is sew it. I don't know. I don't think I would try and do any sewing. I I feel like even I I would mess it up more if I tried to sew rather than just patch. I think Julie's right. Yes! 
You think Julie's right? But that this would kill. This would kill if you just let the wounds be open. I feel like there's a chance to... I'm not saying the wound's open. I'm bandaging. But if you don't sew them closed, they won't... I, okay, I, you're the you. You've decided this, Heron, and 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 your your decision stands. But <laughs> I just still know that I'm right. But that's fine. <laughs> How many gravels out of ten would you give this book? <laughs> um, it's just like a star, Julie. I'd say I'd give it a solid seven gravels out of ten gravels. <laughs> I think I'll give it. Eight gravels out of ten because even though the ending sucked, um, it was a very beautiful book through for the most part. And oh my it God, made Grace me is think. right again. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I feel like it was really like a eight gravels out of ten gravels book, and then it also made me think. And it was a really beautiful book, even if I did have issues with, um, or, or it did feel like the ending personally undermined my reading experience of the book up to that point. So, so, so. I think Grace had better <laughs> opinions about this book. Julie, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't feel, feel bad, bad about, about that. that. You don't feel bad about that? You, you, don't, you don't care what trans people think of you? <laughs> okay. That's uh, Hey, Heron, would well, you like to be the, no, the new co-host of this podcast? <laughs> I mean, I feel like it would um, that would be part of um, holding Julie accountable. Yeah. Uh, in this community that we are now, this is a community. Three women can be a community. Um, <laughs> I think that's only right. We all did this podcast. We all, we all no one created. could say that we all didn't do we, this podcast and <laughs> now we're on to the part of the podcast Taryn where you tell us how much you think we each read of the book oh um I think so I know there were tons of jokes at the beginning about like like oh like someone Did we read might it? not have read the book I think that like okay let me start I'm, I'm not definitely I'm not rending an answer yet but I think that you both seem to have read the book. Um, I think both of you read it to the end, whether or not you did skip some pages or passages or speed read a little or um, skip a bunch of the annotations. Um, I do think that you both went from first page to last page. Okay. Is that fair? Okay. Or have, yeah. I been, have I been hoodwinked? Julie, what do you? How much Julie, did you read? I read the whole book. I read all of it. I read about Grace. ten pages. I read a detailed summary, um, and I and I read um, the ending too. I guess I probably read about thirty pages, but. Um. Oh, okay. So you read the ending. Okay. I like, because I was about to say, I was like, you seemed like you read the ending. Like, what the hell? I, um, I, I paid $20 to access a detailed study guide of this book. Oh my God. Yeah. The book itself is cheaper. 
<laughs> because I, <laughs> I just had a tough week. <laughs> it was very busy. <laughs> uh, but also, but a different. So a, a different reading of my of my choices could be that I decided not to read the book because. Julie was at a disadvantage because trans and this is a trans book. And so I wanted to give her the upper hand and give her give her a chance to, you know, that's, win that's this cute. one. That's cute. <laughs> but even even though I didn't read the book, I still triumphed, which, you know, I I I don't know what that means, but this is the first time I haven't finished a book for this. Um, and I really want to read the whole thing now, but... It is a really, like, I know that I keep saying, like, I don't like the ending, but I do... It is a, like, I had, like, like be, like, mad at the book and crying, so I was just like, it's ending soon, and I'm so enthralled by this narrative and gripped by it, and I just mm-hmm. know it's not going to end well for Dr. Voth, and I'm just, like, furious knowing mm-hmm. that which might have been me also projecting my own, like, IRL resident experiences onto it. Right. But, like, I really love the book. Yeah. Even yeah. Even I was, like, yeah. mad about the yeah. ending part. Oh, I really just, recommend it. Karen, are, like, are you furious with me? <laughs> I... I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm, I think I'm more impressed. I just, like, I can't believe that um, like you were going toe to toe about the plot summary. Like I don't know how you, like you were talking about gravel, and I believed you. <laughs> I really thought you were going to be able to tell that I didn't actually read it because I insisted multiple times that we didn't know what gravel was. Um, but oh. yeah, you guys didn't see that's, 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 that's why I was like, "There's a recipe at the end." <laughs> yeah. so, so then I tried to joke it off and say, "Well, they put cocaine in it too." But I really thought that was going to be the tip. So I'm glad that it was. So was it? Were you? Was it a revelation for you when I was talking about the lab where they were? Gonna yes, get- it was 100 percent a revelation. I thought you were just doing a bit when you kept saying, um, "Oh, it's cocaine." Oh, and there's cocaine in it. I thought you were. I thought you were doing like a bit, and I was like, oh, "It was kind of a bit." Great. It was kind of a bit, but it was also to shield the fact that I did not know what it was. Like you said, the thing about like that also mirroring your own experiences at like um, places you've worked. Um, I think you would find a lot in there. It, I think you would find it to be a resonant read. Yeah, I I do I do want to sit down and read it. But so very that's impressive, true. but Grace. this is it's part of part of the whole concept of this podcast is like get, like bullshitting and see, and seeing if you can actually. I know, like, and so far so, we haven't really done it. And this is the it. first time one of us has actually done that gambit, so I, I'm glad. I really thought I was gonna do it this week. I was like, I think I'm gonna let myself like just see how much I finish because I hadn't finished it this morning. Um, but I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Every like hour that kept going by, I was like, I have to read the rest of it. I can't. I can't go in unprepared. Like that residual, like I haven't studied for a test mm-hmm. anxiety of like, I, I can't. I can't. That's why I paid $20 for the fucking study. Guide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, folks. This was very fun. Thank you so much for being on with us, Aaron. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, I loved finally getting to talk to people about this book that I also kind of like blacked out on reading for a bunch of months this year. Heron, <laughs> do you have anything you'd like to Heron, promote? Do 
Oh my god, no, I'm underemployed and loving it. But um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at um at h a r r o n w a w k e r Aaron Walker with two W's. Aaron um, has an and incredible. And I'm recapping Twitter. Gossip Girl, so come yes. along for the ride. Yeah, and um. And- the the recaps are some this of the funniest show, things I've seen on Twitter this year. Oh, thank you. That's really kind of you to say about my live tweets about a show that aired 13 years ago. <laughs> I've apparently been watching it for a full month, and I still have about 20 episodes to go. So jump on in. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, thank you. Um, read everything Heron puts out. Truly, read everything Heron puts out. Great, incredible really writer. Like Since we're talking, I also want to thank you for your investigation into how many gay people there are. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I, uh, I, I, I think that I often don't get thanked enough for that. So it's nice to finally have somebody reach out um, and show some, some appreciation. Um, I'm just not respected in queer academia like I should be, you know? How? Hey, Jordy Rosenberg, <laughs> why don't you give me a platform for once, you know? It's really incredible, groundbreaking work, and now we finally <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. The definitive text. Now we text. finally know that there are almost three trillion gay people. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Okay, well, thank you so much, Heron. Um, we loved having you on. Uh, uh, have a great night. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure we'll have you... Ha- whenever you have another, like, traumatic, weird, beautiful trans book you want to talk about, um, we would be happy to have you on. Okay, I'd love to. <laughs> have a good rest of both your nights. Yeah, have a good night. Well, that was an episode of Competitive Literature. Thank you, Heron. Thank you, Jordy Rosenberg, yes. for writing Confessions of the Fox. Yeah. Um, well, the score stands at three, Grace, one, Julie. <laughs> yep, it's uh, kind of a bit, I've got a widening lead. Um, I, we'll see what happens next time. We've got Rajat Suresh and Jeremy Levick. I think there's always a chance for a comeback. I think anything mm-hmm. can happen. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll see. I still, despite everything, I do still think that I'm not dumb. (laughs) I think that's really brave of you. (laughs) Follow Competitive Literature. We're on everywhere that you can possibly listen to a podcast. Everywhere you look around. Everywhere you look, we're there. Yeah, we're there. And review us too. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you can give us five stars. That really helps out. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Have a great week.